Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory at StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, Stevens Creek. You guys feeling okay today? Feeling good? It's good to see you. Welcome to our campuses, South Campus, Grovetown, everybody watching online. We're glad that you're here, continuing on this series on generational faith. And today we're going to be talking about relationships and even more specifically, marriage. And even if you're here today, though, and you're not married, I want you to lean in and stay tuned because there's going to be so much in this message that's specifically for you. But if you are married, lean in a little bit more because I think there's going to be some very practical takeaways from God's Word that you can apply in your relationship starting immediately. But if you've lived for any length of time, you've probably noticed that relationships with the opposite sex can be complicated, right? Because God made us so different. He created men and women, male and female, both in his image, both equal in their value and worth and in all ways, and yet so different. And we start noticing these differences so young. I love the prayer requests that come in. Every prayer request that comes in online or or in a, a card form, it all gets read, it all gets prayed over. My favorite prayer request of the year came in last week from a little girl in our children's ministry. And I had to take a picture of it and share it with you. This is what she prayed for last week. For boys to not be so weird. That was the prayer. And all the ladies said, amen. I even love that weird's misspelled. It just makes it even cuter. That's not something you outgrow. Whether you're an eight-year-old girl or an 80-year-old lady, I think that prayer happens a lot. God, why did you make my husband so weird? And guys are praying the same thing. God, I'm thankful for for women. I mean, they smell nice and they're pretty, but why are they so weird, you know? It's like, why'd you make us so different? And that's by God's design. He created us beautifully and wonderfully different. If we learn to celebrate those differences and harmonize with those differences, then man, it can really bring out the best in, in all of us. And that's a picture of God's design for marriage and part of what we're gonna be talking about today. But before we dive into the message, I want you to pull your phone out for just a second. Some of you are already on it, looking at Instagram, pretending like you're on the Bible app. It's okay though, no judgment. But while your phone's out, I'm gonna tell you about an event we have coming up in just a couple weeks. We're gonna do a date night event for married and engaged couples here at the church. We had so much fun doing this last year. This place was packed, we had a ball, and so we were like, we gotta do it again. We've got even more planned for this year. So there's a QR code I'm gonna put up. Take your phone out, take a picture of this QR code. It's gonna get you all the info. At all of our campuses, you should be able to see this, but sign up because it's gonna happen one night only here in this room at the Augusta campus. I expect it's gonna, it's gonna sell out and we want you to get your seat. So men, let me challenge you. You be the one to say, hey baby, I wanna take you to that. And your, your wife's gonna be like, you are so hot when you just take action. And so <laughs> tell her you wanna go. It's gonna, I promise you're gonna have a great time. It is, we're gonna laugh, we're gonna learn and you're gonna love it. We've, we have got, I wish I could tell you of all the surprises that we've got planned. I will tell you that Ashley and I, my amazing wife, Ashley and I will, will of course be here uh, speaking. Our friend, Pastor Narup Alphonse, uh, Stevens Creek favorite, all the way from Denver, Colorado, is coming in for that night. Um, there may or may not be a mechanical bull in the lobby. Like, there, there's gonna be a lot going on. It's gonna be a fun night, so you don't want to miss it. All right, diving into the message on generational faith. So if you've been here the last couple weeks, 
Pastor Marty has preached some powerful sermons on how God's design for us is to have the kind of faith that impacts not only our lives and our communities, but the generations that come after us. And he, he started with the story of, of Abraham and Sarah, you know, these, these two folks that loved the Lord but did not have a child of their own. And they were old, they were way past the years of childbearing, and, and they thought that that dream was over. But God said, no, 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 I've got huge plans for you. In fact, you're gonna have, you're gonna have a baby. And they thought that was you know, ridiculous. You know, they, they thought, we're so old. I mean, we, we, it's impossible. We're way past the years where that's possible. And so Sarah laughed at the notion of it. And God's like, why'd you laugh? And she's like, well, she, it's crazy. And then they had the baby. It was a miracle. And they named the child Isaac, which means laughter. And laughter is a reminder every time they called his name that God can do what seems ridiculous and impossible to us. And it was a funny situation. It's funny when you're going to Walmart to buy diapers for yourself and for a baby at the same time. That's funny. <laughs> and so they laughed. They had a sense of humor about it. And we should too. So, you know, Isaac grows up and we're going to jump into the part of the story where it's now time for him to get married. And they lived in a place where there weren't a lot of, you know, available single women around. It was kind of desolate. And the women that were there, they were from a pagan culture. They didn't have the same faith in God. So Abraham's like, we've got to find our son a wife who shares our faith, who knows and loves the Lord so that they can build on that legacy of faith. And ultimately, Isaac is going to connect with a woman named Rebecca. And it's, it's a great love story. Sadly, the, the Bible doesn't have a lot of great examples of marriage. It doesn't. It has a lot of just real, real examples of, of messed up people trying to do relationships their own way instead of God's way, and, and the result is, is a lot of brokenness. But there are some good examples of marriage of people who were doing their best to do it right by God's standards. Isaac and Rebecca are one of those couples. They're not perfect people, but they did it right. And through their marriage, they were able to build a legacy of faith. Now, I already told you that Isaac's name means laughter. Rebecca's name, we're going to find out, her name means to, to bind together tightly. In other words, to, to commit. It, it's, it's a bondage, not a bondage. It's a, it's a, that's, that's a different topic. You know, we'll, we'll get there next time. Uh, it's a bonding together of two people in a very strong, committed covenant. Now, those two ingredients, I think God is telling us just through the meaning of their names, something that's important for every marriage. Every marriage needs laughter, the meaning of Isaac's names. Every marriage needs commitment, a strong binding together, the meaning of Rebecca's name. And so even in the meaning of their names, God is painting this picture of, of what's required for us to have the kind of marriages that God really wants us to have. But I know that as soon as I say that, that word marriage, it's a lot, of, a lot of different feelings pop up. For some people, you hear that word marriage and you're like, yes, this is one of my favorite subjects. Marriage is, is amazing. I'm sitting next to my best friend and we're more in love now than ever, and, and, and our life's happy, and the moment the service is over, we're going to probably go out to the parking lot and make out for a while. We just, life is good. But for a lot of other people, that's not your experience. You know, you hear the word marriage, and it creates maybe negative emotions in you. You, you think you have feelings of, of confusion or doubt or regret, maybe a longing. Maybe you're a single person, and you're in a season of waiting. You're like, God, where's my spouse? I mean, I've, I've been lonely. I've been trying to do things right when are you going to bring that person? Maybe you're married, but you feel lonely within the marriage. You feel like, my, my spouse, I thought it was going to be one way. I thought marriage was going to look a certain way, and now I feel like we're miles and miles apart. 
Maybe you're here today in whatever campus where you are and there's an empty seat next to you because your spouse isn't here with you because you're in different places in your faith and, and man, that can be so painful. There are so many different experiences. But what I want you to know, what God wants you to know is that every marriage can thrive. My, my wife and I are part of a marriage ministry called XO Marriage and we love doing marriage ministry and the founder of that ministry, Pastor Jimmy Evans, says every time he speaks, he says, your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. And I firmly believe that. The world will tell you, ah, you got a 50-50 shot, it's kind of a coin toss, but no, God's word says, if you'll do things God's way, if, if two people will humbly commit themselves to God and to each other, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your background was, no matter what your family story was in generations past, you and your spouse can have a thriving marriage. You can you can, and, and God will come alongside you and he will help you get there. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, but he will help you to get there. So we're gonna now dive into, into the scripture. A quick recap of the last couple of weeks. The main point that's kind of held these messages together is this, when you put God first in your life, which is the ingredient not only of a great marriage, but a great life, when you put God first in your life and in your family, you will leave a lasting legacy on earth and one in eternity. The verse that we've come back to each week is this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we're gonna dive into the story of Isaac and Rebecca. The one name meaning laughter, the one name meaning to tie together. Speaking of baby names, I love the way you young people name your babies nowadays because you all just go crazy. Like there, there's no rules anymore. Like when I, was, when I was growing up, there were like 10 names you were allowed to use. Everybody's named the same 10 names, you know? And, and, and now I love Baby Dedication Sunday. I love watching Pastor Marty try to pronounce the names. I, I love it, you guys are just, there's no rules anymore. You just make up words and it becomes a name and it's so creative and clever. And so Baby Dedication Sunday is my favorite Sunday because we're, we're clapping for these precious babies and we're praying for them. And I'm like, what are the names? It's gonna be something awesome. None of them are gonna be named Dave, I tell you that. It's gonna be something cool. And sure enough, it's like a twin boy and a twin girl. And Pastor Marty's like, what are these babies' names? And the mom's like, well, our little, this is our little girl. This is Cinnamon Cloverleaf Taylor Swift. And this is our little boy. And this is, this is Clemson Tiger Travis Kelsey. And, and I'm like, that's awesome. You guys come up with this stuff. Names have significance, right? We should put a lot of thought into it because when we're giving a name, we're essentially giving a blessing. We're giving a blessing and we're saying, you know, this is part of, the, the meaning behind this name is part of what I hope and what I believe for you that God has for you. And so when the parents named Isaac laughter, like I hope you have a life and a marriage full of joy and laughter. When the parents named Rebecca her name. It was like, I hope that you have a life and relationships that are defined by, by this strong commitment and loyalty. And then they found each other. And the first principle we learn is how to find the right person, how to find. And if you're here and you're single, man, lean into this part. How do you find a spouse in a world where there are all these different options and all these different dating apps? And yet it seems like the longer, the deeper you go into that world, the more exhausting it can be. And here's, here's a principle we can learn from them. Choose a spouse based on character, not competition. 
And maybe that word competition was not what you were expecting to be in that second fill in the blank. And here's what I mean by competition. There was a, a recent survey that came out that was data on, on the tw- kind of the 20-year era we've had of the dating sites, you know, like Hinge and Tinder and, you know, all of them. It was compiling all this data. And it was showing that the people that are on those sites the longest, they've actually gotten so frustrated with the pursuit of trying to find a spouse. And it's almost like they're, they're desensitized from just all the scrolling and all of the comparing this person to that person and just overwhelmed with options until it just feels like there are no good options. For entertainment, we watch shows that are based on competition and not commitment, like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. If you've never watched one of these shows, essentially it's like, one guy and 30 girls or one girl and 30 guys. And then one at a time, they just break up with each of them. It's like they're auditioning against each other. They just break up with each of them until there's just one left. And then he picks her. And then a few weeks later, those two break up. That's the, that's the show every time because it's, it's based on competition and not commitment. And by God's design, love is something different. The world says love is this superficial feeling and this it's just this spark and this feeling. And as soon as you don't have the feeling anymore, you must not have really loved each other. And God's like, that's not what love is. That, that's like barely the icing on the cake to love. Love is commitment. Love is that bond. That's what God has for us. It's this sacrificial love, this undying commitment. It's what he has for us. And that's what we're called to have for each other in marriage. And so when we're first choosing a spouse, yeah, I mean, it's okay to notice the external. It's, it's okay to, to value the fact that you have a, a, an attraction and a spark, but ultimately what should draw us to a life partner are those parts of them that are gonna be unchanging. It's gonna be the, the character of that person. And so that is what they were praying for when they were looking for a wife for Isaac, a woman of the right character. And so here's the story of how they found Rebecca and how she came to be part of this family. And it is a crazy story. I want you parents of teenage daughters to put yourself in the position of Rebecca's parents in this story, because here's what happened. So Abraham, old dude, there are no, no eligible ladies around. He's like, we gotta find a woman for Isaac. So he sends his, his trusted servant to go find a wife. And here's the story. I'm just gonna read it. You can't make this stuff up. Genesis chapter 24. Abraham was now a very old man. The Lord blessed him in every way. One day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Can we just pause there and say, aren't you glad that now we shake hands instead of saying, or before I sell you this car, I'm gonna have to sit on your hand to seal the deal. I'm just thankful that culturally we've moved on from the whole uh, hand on the thigh thing, but that's what they did, I guess. Swear by the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth, that you will, you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women who don't know the Lord. Instead, go to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son, Isaac. And his servant, um, very reluctantly, was like, you want me to, I mean, we can't call ahead. They don't know me. They haven't seen you in decades. And you want me to go to this place where I've never been, show up, you know, like, a, like an Amber Alert suspect looking for a, a woman to take back with me and just explain, um, I'm here to, to take you back to, to this place to meet this guy you've never met so you can marry him. And that just sounds crazy. And Abraham's like, listen, I believe God's in this. I believe God's gonna lead you. But if you go and, and you, find, you find somebody and, and she doesn't wanna come back, then, then you're off the hook. Obviously, you can't make somebody come with you or get married. That wouldn't be right. So just do your best. And I believe God's going to be with you. And so the guy reluctantly was like, all right, 
So he goes, him and a few other servants and their camels, and they go through the desert a long way to get to this land that Abraham grew up in. And when they get there, they go to the watering place. Every village kind of had their, their wells, their watering holes. And the young girls of the village would come out because part of the job of, of young girls in these villages was to kind of help with the water. And they, the girls came out, and, and, and the servant started praying. He's like, Lord, listen, this is crazy, but I believe you're in this. Just lead me, if, you've, if you're in this, lead me to the woman that you've chosen to be Isaac's wife. And, and let me spot her this way. He didn't say, let her be the most beautiful. He didn't say, let her have these physical features. Nothing physical was mentioned. Though she did turn out to be beautiful, that was not even part of the decision process. He said, let me see her character. Let me see her heart. And this is how I'm gonna look for it. I'm gonna say to all of them, hey, would you get me a drink of water? They don't know me. There's nothing I can do to repay them. I'm asking for something, but, but someone that has a heart to serve, someone that has a heart that says, I wanna, I wanna be a solution maker. I wanna be someone who helps others will not only say, let me get you water, but they'll see the greater need. They'll be proactive and they'll say, let me also get water for all of your camels, which is a much bigger job than just drawing up a scoop of water. You gotta fill up pitchers and buckets and troughs. It's a job. But anybody that would volunteer to go the extra mile in that way, that's the kind of character that I'm looking for. And sure enough, Rebecca, he notices her right away. She's just glowing. She has a joy about her. And he says, young lady, would you mind it to get me a drink? I'm so tired. Just get me a drink of water. She says, absolutely. And then without hesitation, she said, and, and let me also get a drink for all of your camels. This guy's like, I think this is the one. And so he kind of, you know, gulps in, in, in awkwardness and shuffles his feet, I picture. And he's like, listen, this is going to sound crazy. But you've got this distant relative named Abraham. You've probably heard of him. And uh, I'm, I'm his servant, and he's got a son named Isaac. Um, really good dude, but he's, he's single. There are no dating apps yet. Uh, you know that. It's really hard to, you know, to find somebody. And, and Abraham sent me here to find a godly woman of character to be the wife of his son Isaac. And I've been praying about it, and I think it might be you. So could, could, if you're cool with that, could we go to your house and, like, talk with your parents and just talk this through. And she's like, yeah, let's go. So this guy shows up at their house, tells them the whole story. Rebecca's probably about 15 at this point. I want you to just imagine, guys. Pro probably about 15. And, they're like, and he's like, so this is what's going on. And um, we're looking for a wife for Isaac. And a you know Abraham, you're like, you know, related. He's the one who sent me. And I'm praying and I, and I, feel, like, I feel like your daughter is the one God's picked and that God has plans for them. Great things for them. And most parents are gonna be like, I'm calling the cops. You're a human trafficker, get out of here. You know, like, and these parents, they're like, I don't know. Sounds reasonable. Um, but ultimately, they leave it up to their daughter. In their culture, she's now a legal adult. She's a legal adult at this point. Um, it's up to her. Sweetie, what would you like to do? She's like, I'll go. And she goes. And that's, that can, so imagine, you, you don't know where you're going. You don't know who you're gonna meet. That's wild, that's crazy, but you know, God was in this. And when she left, her family did something wise that I think all of us can learn. Here's the next principle. When your relatives marry, send them off with blessings and not baggage. One of the most powerful things you can do to create a generational legacy is when, when your children, when people in your family start to get married, bless them. Bless the people that they marry. Choose in advance that you are gonna be a drama-free, loving, easy-to-love in-law. 
and that you are gonna be one giving blessings and not baggage. You have so much influence to create either blessings or baggage for that next generation. They decided to give her blessing. They said goodbye to Rebecca. They sent her away with Abraham's servant and his men. The woman who'd been Rebecca's childhood nurse went along with her. So only one person on earth that she knew was coming with her to a world that was completely foreign to her. This was a courageous young woman. They gave her this blessing as they, she parted. This blessing 4,000 years later is still used as a blessing in Jewish weddings to bless the bride, the blessing of Rebecca. Our sister, may you become the mother of many millions. May your descendants be strong and conquer the cities of their enemies. May you be the mother of, of millions. Now, Rebecca would go on to only have two kids, twin boys. But of those two twin boys, one became the patriarch over the whole nation of Israel, Jacob. The other, Esau, became the patriarch over the Edomites, which are now the whole modern nation of Jordan. Two nations born from one woman after this blessing. So like, it's just the power of a blessing. When, you, when your kids leave, you know, bless them. Now let's skip ahead to the actual marriage. What was unique about Isaac and Rebecca's actual marriage? They did a lot right. They did this, strive to be a comforter and encourager to your spouse. When Rebecca got there, Isaac was actually in mourning. He was grieving because his mother had died. He was very close to his mother and now she's gone. And so they have to enter into the, the wedding into this kind of season of grieving. And instead of Rebecca being like, man, I, we should be celebrating and happy and this is lame. She chose to say, you know what? Right now my husband needs me as an encourager and a comforter and that's what I'm gonna do. The Bible says this, and Isaac brought Rebecca into his mother Sarah's tent. She became his wife. He loved her deeply and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. She comforted him. She encouraged him. She built him up. She was a shoulder to cry on. In marriage, we've got to do that. We've got to be there for each other in the moments when your spouse needs you the most. It isn't always about having the right words. Sometimes we don't know what to say, but they have to know you're not going to face this struggle alone. We're going to carry each other's burdens like the Bible says. I'm not going to leave you. And then you're going to have to take turns being strong for each other. At first, Rebecca, though she was you know, much younger, though she was already in a foreign land, though she had a lot of needs, she chose to step into the role of being the strong one first. But then later, it would be Isaac who would do the same for her because now Rebecca is dealing with infertility. And in that age, in that era, um, for a woman to, to not have kids, like there, there was so much like cultural and familial burden attached to it. Now in 21st century America, a woman can live a, a full life uh, child without having a child of her own. But in this culture, um, it was really, really difficult. Your social security, your future, it was tied up in do you have children? And she did not. And so this is probably 20 years of infertility, 20 years from the time they got married as she, where she was a teenager to now two decades later, no kids. And she's like, my parents prayed that I'd be the mother of, of millions of nations and, and now I can't even have a child. I mean, what is wrong with me? And you could tell this was just a deep and heavy burden that she carried. And Isaac was so tender with her. And what we can learn from them is this, pray for your spouse and carry each other's burdens. It's Isaac chose to encourage her. He chose to pray for her. Even though he, he wanted kids too, ultimately his bigger concern wasn't having the kids. His bigger concern, right, rightly so, was his, the well-being of his wife. My wife is hurting God. Do, help her. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. Didn't say he pleaded with the Lord because he wanted kids. No, his heart was, help her, God. Help her. Encourage her. 
the Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. Infertility is, a, is one of the, the deepest, most intimate struggles that a, a couple can go through. Our prayers are with any here who are facing that. But in those seasons of waiting, keep praying together, keep trusting. And if God has put on your heart the desire for children, then one way or another, he will fulfill that desire. He will. Maybe he's gonna do it by, like he did for them, miraculously giving you a pregnancy. Maybe he's gonna do it with pregnancy through um, the help of, of a lot of you know, technology and fertility specialists. Maybe there's a, there's a baby out there who doesn't yet, doesn't yet have a parent who God has chosen that child for your family and your heart needs to be open to adoption because that's the family that God has chosen for you. But if he's put a longing on your heart for kids, he's gonna fulfill it if you're open to the way that he might choose to fulfill it. And in the meantime, you have to pray. You have to be tenderhearted to each other. Whatever struggle you're facing, and every couple, every individual goes through struggles, and you have to be willing to be tender with each other in those struggles. Something else we can learn from Isaac and Rebecca is they never stop being affectionate. Give romantic affection to your spouse through every season of marriage. Genesis 26, eight says this, but sometimes later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac gently caressing Rebecca. Now, there's context of this story. I don't have time to jump into the full context of it, but they were having to kind of hide their identity as a married couple in this setting for fear of, of uh, their personal safety. And so they were pretending that they were relatives and not married. And the king sees them being very intimate with each other and recognizes, oh my gosh, you guys, are in either you're from Kentucky, where Dave's from, or you're, you're not really relatives. Um, you're, you're really... You can laugh at that. That's funny, right? I mean, we marry cousins sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Ashley hates those jokes, by the way. Don't, she'll be at the next service. Don't tell her I did a Kentucky inbred joke. Okay, deal? <laughs> Just between us. So the king sees them being affectionate. So the whole point of it isn't the context of kind of them hiding their identity. It's at this point in the story, it's at least 20 years later after they were praying for the infertility. That, that means at this point in the story, Rebecca's probably 60, Isaac older, maybe significantly older. I mean, he, he could be as old as 80 at this point in the story. And they're being affectionate, romantic, tender. This is, this is at least 40 years into their marriage. That This is what God has for you guys. Now, I, now so many couples want that, but for some, some reason we get off track and you start, we start out you start out affectionate, you start out doing all those things and being thoughtful and romantic, and then it's like, as time goes on, we get into this rut where it's like, what's the, the smallest amount of effort I can give and still keep this person around? And that's just the wrong attitude. We gotta, we gotta say, you know what, I wanna go back to those, those things that I did at the beginning. I wanna pursue you over and over again. Isaac and Rebecca kept pursuing each other's heart. They, they kept growing in their love for each other. Now as empty nesters, now... Um, you know, just re, the empty nest period should be a time of, of like great renewal and reconnection and romance. And yet, sadly, in the work we do, we look at all the stats, the highest, the highest growing percentage of divorce is among those who are empty nesters. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenon researchers call gray divorce. People that have lived whole life together, they've raised their kids together, and then all of a sudden their kids move out and they look at each other and they realize we don't, we don't even know each other. We have an empty nest and an empty marriage because we became really good co-partners 
and raising kids and paying bills and running kids to practice and all that, but we forgot to be lovers. We forgot to be best friends. And if you're in that, if you're, if you're falling into that dynamic, and I'm not saying this to shame anybody, it's easy to get there when life is busy and the demands of life start running at you. You gotta be intentional to pull back and say, wait a second, wait a second. Like our, our kids are important, but they're a temporary assignment. They're gonna grow off and have their own life someday. But you and I, this is a covenant meant to last a lifetime. By God's design, this is the most important relationship in our lives. And we gotta commit to, we gotta commit to getting back to that place. One of the first marriage conferences Ashley and I ever did, we were at a, at a little church and there was couples of all different ages there, but one couple just, they caught our eye the moment we got in. And they were a couple we met, their names were Harold and Louise. They were probably about 80 years old and they were acting like, couple teenagers in love. They had made matching t-shirts to wear to the event. They were just laughing and giggling. Um, Louise was, was having some health challenges. She was actually in a wheelchair at the time of the conference, but Harold was so tender with her. And they, I mean, they just had this, this electric connection. So during the first break, I ran over to them and, and we sat down and we're like, listen, we want to be like you guys when we grow up. What's the secret? How do you love each other so much? What, 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 how do you, what do we gotta do to be like you? And Louise smiled and she said, well, there's not just a, one secret. You know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of things. It's a million things. She said, but I'll, I'll give you something. And she said, so the, our first date was on January the 17th, many years ago. And Harold came and picked me up and he brought a rose to me. And I was like, oh, this is romantic. This guy might be a keeper. And he took me out. He was a perfect gentleman. We had a great time. And so there was a second date and a third date. And next thing we knew, we were going steady. That's what they used, called it back then. Um, that was a relationship status. <laughs> so Valentine's Day rolls around. And he brings her a bunch of flowers. And she's like, well, that's really sweet. It's a great Valentine's Day. Three days after Valentine's Day, it was February 17th, and he brings her a flower. And he, she says, what's this? You just got me flowers. He goes, no, no, those were for Valentine's Day. You don't even know what this is. He says, this is February 17th. It's been exactly one month since our first date. And I just want to tell you, it's the best month of my life. I'm so thankful that you're in my life, and I'm so excited about what God has for us. She thought that was really thoughtful. On March 17th, he shows up with the flower. She goes, what's this? He goes, you probably forgot, but it's... 17th of March, it's been exactly two months since our first date. And I just want you to know that I'm so thankful for you. I'm so excited about our future. April 17th, same thing. Next thing you know, they're engaged. Next thing you know, they're married. Every month he kept bringing those flowers. But once she got married, she goes, well, I figured the flowers would stop now, right? I mean, we're married, the chase is over, romance is gonna die. But 17th of that first month they were married, he shows up with the flower. And then she looked at him, she looked back at me, and she had a smile on her face like a teenager in love, and there were some tears in her eyes, and I'll never forget what she said next. She said, it's been 647 months since our first date, and he's never once forgotten to bring me a rose. And I felt like the biggest jerk, like unromantic slob. I'm like, why did I ask? Dang it, Harold. Like, sweetie, remember the time I stopped by Kroger a couple years ago and got you those flowers? <laughs> but of course, it wasn't about the flower. There's nothing magical about a flower. It was, it was the intentionality. It was the reminder to say, you're on my mind. I'm thankful for every day with you. 
I'm so thankful that God brought you into my life. I never wanna take you for granted. I never wanna stop pursuing you. And it's easy to get in a rut where we stop doing the things we did at first, but guys, you can get back there. Whatever season you're in, you can get back there. Maybe you're here and just the whole topic's painful because you had a marriage that failed and you're sitting here alone. You're thinking, man, there's so many things I would have done differently. But listen, none of us are called to live in shame or regret. Jesus paid the price on the cross for every sin, every mistake we'll ever commit. And so now we get the freedom to embrace his grace, learn from the things that we would, wish we would have done differently. And I believe God's gonna give us opportunity to, to live, out, live out doing things differently. Maybe God's got somebody out there for you, but in the meantime, keep growing in your love and your relationship with God. Whether you're single or married, it's the most important relationship of all. One last principle, and then we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up because we got something special planned for our last couple minutes. That's this, guide your children to a healthy marriage and a strong faith in God. One of the, the best ways to create generational legacy is raise your kids to, to value marriage in a world that doesn't value commitment or covenant. Raise them to value God's plan for marriage and relationships. Raise them to build their life on a foundation of God's word and to build their future families on a foundation of God's word and then bless them as they go off and do it. Encourage them to find a spouse that, that has character and has a faith and a love in God. And then try, do your best to model those things yourself in your own relationship. And for all of us, embrace God's grace along the way because all of us have blown it, all of us have made mistakes, but today can be a day of new beginnings and renewal. So that being said, let's all stand together. We're gonna do one final thing together before we go out. And I, I believe in the history of this church, this, we've never done what we're gonna do for our last couple minutes together. Some of you look so scared. It's not anything like freaky, but it's cool. This is what we're gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna say a prayer for us. And then as the worship team is gonna come out and they're gonna lead us through uh, one chorus. And as they do, I wanna invite you guys to come at every one of our campuses, South, Grovetown, wherever you are, come down front for a time of prayer. But what's different about this time of prayer is this is the first time I think we've ever done this. We're praying specifically for relationships. We do a lot of prayers for healing, a lot of prayers for other things, but specifically for relationships. If you need, if you need some prayer for your marriage, if you have a, a strange relationship with a child or with a relative, if there's someone in your life who's hurting in their marriage, maybe you have a, a kid or your, your parents are hurting in their marriage and you wanna come and pray on their behalf, if you're a single person and you're praying for God to bring that spouse of character into your life and you're in a season of waiting, whatever it might be, come down and let us as a church family just pray in agreement for that, guys. There's power in it. God wants you to thrive in your relationships. Relationships with God and with each other are the most important part of life. So of course, it's something we should pray about. And today, we're gonna carve out just our last couple minutes together just to do that. So I'm gonna say a prayer for us. I'm gonna turn it over to, uh, to our campuses at Grovetown and South and, and here in Augusta as we sing. Just come down for prayer. We would love to pray for you. Let's pray together. Father, I lift up every person in this room, every person at each of our campuses, all those watching online. And specifically, God, we just wanna commit or recommit our relationships with you. Lord, if our relationship with you, Jesus, has gotten off track, we recommit to that today, God. You're our first love. Forgive us that we've, we've lost sight of that. Help us to give you our full heart and to walk in obedience to you. For those who are married in this place, God, in a world that's trying to do everything to distract and discourage couples, 
Help us stand on the foundation of your word and bring hope and healing to couples. I pray for those couples struggling with infertility, struggling with, with wayward kids, struggling with financial pressures or health challenges, God, struggling with big decisions. Should we move? Should we stay? God, bring them a place of peace and clarity. For those who are praying for a spouse, God, help them continue to wait faithfully, not making compromises that are gonna ultimately cause pain to themselves out of loneliness, but help them wait on your timing and send them, Lord, a person of good character and faith to be their partner. And for all of us, God, we commit to doing life and relationships your way. And we thank you for loving us, showing us what love is all about. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.